Today I want to dive in to a message I've entitled, A Focused Life, A Focused Life. The Apostle Paul could have easily lost focus in life. Why? Because of adversity. <clears throat> one of the things that knocks us off a of course, one of the things that shifts our focus so quickly is when adversity comes into our lives. <clears throat> we're, do, we're going down one trail, we're going down one path, boom, we get hit by something. And, and the next thing you know, if we don't reroute ourselves on that path, we get knocked off. If there's anybody in the Bible that experienced adversity, it's Paul. Who could have made the excuse, well, the reason why I've just kind of been distracted, the reason why I've just not accomplished what God, it's because of these trials. But it's actually the opposite with him. He understood how to live an intentional life. Question, have you come to a place in your life where you realize that you easily lose focus spiritually on the things that matter most, your family, the things that are important in your life? Focus is big in the business world. Those of you that are in the business world, you read a lot of books, you go to seminars, The Power of Focus, and books such as Getting Things Done. I remember that was a big one 10 years ago. The new big one sold three or four million books now, Atomic Habits, The Power of Habits and the Focus in Your Life. Here's another one, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Whether it's the boardroom or the ball field, everybody's trying to figure out, how do I, how do I keep focus in such a distracted age? So much distraction. So many squirrels out there. <clears throat> Any moment, we're just about to, and boom, something happens. How do I live a life of focus? Honestly, the truth is we would think that technologically, smartphones, all the different ones, apps, computers, would simplify our lives. I'm not so sure it's not complicated things at times. The truth is focus is an integral part of the life of a believer. Focus keeps us on track, on our path with God, towards our destiny. If we're honest, though, we can all simply get off track quickly. You know, it's interesting. In the beginning of the year, uh, we do something. For those of you that are guests, we do something here at Church of the King all across our locations. We do a fast. And there's lots of different types of fasts. Some people do Daniel fast. Some do water, juice fast. I'll do a, a liquid fast for a week in January. It's always exciting at, because we, it's a week where we, we give ourselves to the Lord in prayer. and We have night meetings and whatnot. And, and I'll, I'll lose weight. I'll lose five, six, seven pounds in one, in one week. And it's exciting because it's something that I struggle with because, because I'm a public figure. So people look at me, oh, pastor, you look good, as opposed to not looking good last week. I mean, come on. So you got to realize that, oh, you look like you've lost weight. Oh, what you thought I was before a month ago, a fat slob. I mean, I understand it. So I'm very conscious. I, maybe it's an insecurity. I'm just very conscious of that. It's something that's important to me. And so, so the fast is a great reset moment. What's happened? So that week, I'm excited. I'm like, man, I'm down to my ideal weight. This is my fighting weight. Just joking. And so I, I, I'm there. I, I, I love it. And, and the problem is, with years like this, is that Mardi Gras and King Cake is so close to the fast. It's like, oh my gosh. I was at a group last week with about 50 pastors. I have a, an annual gathering of pastors. And, and somebody brought from Lafayette this, this King Cake. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is so demonic. It's, it's just... And I get off track, and, I, and then it's like, well, I'll just have one piece, and then another piece, and then you just feel like, at that point, you're like, oh, heck, why not? And then they're just, and then the next thing you know, you're, you're getting your own basket of chips at a Mexican restaurant and drinking queso. <laughs> K 
Can I have a witness in God's house? Come on. Those of you that are not joining in, you're so holy and disciplined, aren't you? We all can get off track. Physical goals, financial goals, family goals, and yes, even spiritually. Thankfully, on a more serious note, Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul came to Christ in 34 AD. He planted the church in Philippi 49 AD. 11 years later, 60 AD, he writes back to the church that he planted 11 years before. He's in prison, his first Roman imprisonment, and he writes back to that church to encourage them, watch this, to stay focused. If there's anybody that could have gotten off focused, there's anybody that exemplifies, typifies any word you want to use that demonstrates the power of God focus. It's Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Look at all of the possible. I mean, we talk about a distraction from a phone. How about a distraction from this? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. By the way, Jesus wasn't the only person in the Bible that was whipped. Paul, five times, he received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times, some of y'all get that later. Three times I was shipwrecked a night, a day in the deep. I've been there. Paul said, it. if there's anybody who could say, you know what, God, I've just lost focus because after all, I can't find my daytimer. No, that's not at all shipwreck, night and a day. And yet Paul, the apostle, demonstrated a life of focus. What are the essentials? How did he do that? I want to excavate. I want to pull out of this how Paul, the apostle, teaches us in our distracted age how to live a life of focus. The truth is human culture today, the complexities of human life, it's so difficult but it's possible with God to live a life of focus. Three keys today to a focused life. Philippians chapter three, verse four. Let's go. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's given his credentials. This is his resume concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, man, I was a persecutor of the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things. Everyone say all things. Talk about priorities. I count all things, all things, loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Boy, talk about priority. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, which leads us to point one. Paul would say to us, in the distracted age in which we live, in the times in which we live, with society, literally, with, with, with every squirrel, every gadget, every opportunity, every station, 
everything coming, streaming, everything coming. How do I stay focused? Paul would say, we've got to learn to keep first things first. Paul had the pedigree, he had the position, and he had high performance. He had the pedigree, credentials. He had power. He was a man of influence. He had, watch this. He had the position, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he had performance. He was really good at his job. And yet, when he met Christ, he said, I count all of those things as dung that I may know Christ. Talk about keeping Jesus at the center. Talk about Jesus take the wheel. Talk, talk about not allowing anything in life, the good things in life, the bad things in life, to be at any level on parallel with knowing Christ. Question in your life, is Christ preeminent in your life? I'm not talking about, is he just an add-on to your life? Well, you know, it's a new year, 2024. I got to get my finances straight. I got to work out a little bit. Got to add a little bit of religion, a little bit of church. No, no, we don't add Jesus. He becomes our life. He becomes our passion. He becomes our focus, not just for an apostle, but for everybody. The way that our lives keep focus is the center of the will, the wheel, the center of that must be Christ. And when we know Christ, Paul said, it brings an ordering to the rest of our lives. Those of you that were here last week, you heard me tell the story a little bit about the apostle Paul, who wasn't always St. Paul. He was Saul, a persecutor of the church. The Bible says again, Acts chapter 9, he's walking on the road to Damascus. That's in Syria. You can read about it today. There's still a city called Damascus. It's in Syria. And he's knocked to the ground. A light knocks him to the ground. A voice comes from heaven. By the way, and the people with him heard the voice as well. And he's knocked to the ground. And Jesus tells Paul, here's what he says. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? King James Bible, why are you kicking against the goats? In other words, why are you fighting my plan for your life? Maybe that's where some of you are right now. You just keep going. You just keep hitting your head against the wall, hitting your head against and, and all the while, God is just trying to get you to a better place where you'll surrender to him. By the way, God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. It's more rewarding. It's more fulfilling. He said, Saul, why are you fighting me? I'm trying to do something great with your life. That's a word for somebody here. Quit fighting God. He is the watchmaker. He knows how you tick best. So he's blinded. He gets up. He opens his eyes, but he can't see. Now, often we don't talk about this. Then the group that's with him who heard the voice, they saw no one. Saul says, Jesus told me I'm supposed to go to this guy's house on Straight Street in Damascus. This is in the Bible. The guy's name is Judas. By the way, there's other Judases in the Bible, not just Judas Iscariot, just like there's other names in, in culture today. There's other Steves, there's other Kevins, there's other, there's other people. So, so he said, go to this guy's house. Jesus tells Paul, go to this house. Well, what does he do at that house? He gets to this guy's house, Judas's house, who's in Damascus on the street called Straight, and he starts praying. He can't see anything. And he's fasting and he's praying. One day, nothing happens. He's crying out to God. Second day, nothing happens. Third day, God speaks to Ananias. And he says, hey, I got an assignment for you. <clears throat> it was one of my chief servants. He's just coming into relationship with me. Acts chapter nine, verse 15. This man is a chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I want you to go down there and I want you to pray for him. So this guy knocks on the door. Hey, um, um, 
Jesus has sent me here. Is there a guy named Saul here? And he saw, so, oh, the, Saul, you're blind? Come here, come over here. And this little, it's in the Bible, he, he prays for him. He lays hands on him. His eyes are opened up. He's then filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes and water baptizes him in the backyard. And then he tells him, he says, hey, listen, Saul, this is going to blow you away. I know that you're a big shot and you had pedigree and position and power and performance. But Jesus is saying, all that you got to throw aside to love and know him. And God's got another assignment for your life. God's called you to do something totally different than what you were doing. Question, are you willing to lay down your plans and pick up God's plan for your life? Whatever it is. Because God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. He said, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul learned to keep first things first. He learned to submit his life to the lordship of Christ. He learned to submit his agenda. He learned to submit his plans to Christ. How often we want to do our own thing and we're asking God to bless our plans, and yet we've never consulted with heaven to say, God, what is your plan? Everybody say, first things first. If you want to live a life of focus, make Jesus not the spokes, but the center of the wheel. He's the center. He's the foundation. Yeah. Look at verse 8. Yet indeed I count all things. Everyone say all things. I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. You ever had a conversation with someone who said, ah, you know, I tried Christianity. It didn't work out. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You tried church. You tried religion. But you didn't meet Christ. Because when you meet Christ, he transforms your life. When you meet Christ, there's an inner trans. When you meet Christ, you don't go back to your old way. You don't go back. You may backslide, but you, let me tell you, but you'll slide back. Why? Because Christ is in you. Don't, don't tell me that, well, I tried Christianity. No, you didn't. You mentally ascended to some theological facts, but you didn't have heart transformation. Young people that are, quote, deconstructing today, they're not saved. Because when I got saved, I went from darkness to light. I went from hell to heaven. You are transformed by Christ. Woo, pastor, you're preaching. No, I'm just opening the Bible. When Christ, when you meet Christ, you are transformed by Christ. You're not perfect. You're not, you're not, you know, it's not that you never sin again, but something fundamentally, experientially changes in your life. And you, that bad, bad language, but you can't, you can, you can't not live differently. Why? Because you've met Christ. You don't add Jesus onto your life, my friend. That's the problem. He becomes your life. Everybody say first things first. He is the rudder that keeps the boat going in the right direction. By the way, this is a challenge for every pastor. You ever see pastors that end up doing stupid things, dumb things? blow up their lives, blow up. You want, you want to know why? Because they fell more in love with the ministry than Jesus. I mean, you know, it's Christ. My foundation, this is what I do for a job. This is not my relationship with God. My, now, hopefully I do this out of an overflow, but can I tell you, if I didn't do this, I still love Jesus. I'm not on fire for God. I was on fire for God way before I was a pastor. And by the way, just because you're on fire for God doesn't mean you're a pastor. Why don't you be on fire for God as an architect, as a plumber, as a teacher in a school? It's your passion for Christ. Everybody say first things first. I'm preaching at you. I'm doing everything I can. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Number two, if you want to live a life of focus, he's got to be the center of the wheel. Not the spokes, not the tire, not an add-on. He's the center. Yeah. Number two, you got to learn to forgive and forget. 
I'm just going verse by verse. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press. Man, I love this. The biblical concept of pressing. I press on. You've got to activate your will. You've got to make a decision. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing. Everyone say one thing. But one thing I do, forgetting which things are behind me, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Paul understood, watch this, the detriment of running a race this way, but looking this way. Let me ask you a question. How quick would I be in a race if I'm going this way? I'm supposed to be running this way, but I'm always looking this way. It's dangerous. You bump into people. You fall and hurt. It's very difficult to do that. And that's why Paul said this one thing. I do. He understood the proclivity of human nature. When you begin to look back, it slows you down in the present. It distracts you. From, distraction often comes because we're preoccupied with our past rather than be, watch this, focused on the future. Paul said, I, I, I have, I've made a decision. There's great power in learning to biblically forget the past. Pastor, I thought the Bible talks about memory. There's a, there's a concept of memory and forgetting. There's what I call biblical forgetting and there's biblical remembering. Paul talks a lot about remembering, but it's to remember not your past, but the faithfulness of God in your past. I'm to remember when when I understand God did it before, he'll do it again. That's called biblical remembering. But I'm not to dwell on the past. I'm not to dwell upon my mistakes. By the way, not all sins, this is important, not all mistakes are sin, but all sin is a mistake. Sometimes you make a mistake, just, just made a mistake. You went into business with the wrong person, it wasn't a sin, it was just a mistake. But Paul says, whether it's a mistake, whether it's sin, this one thing, everybody say one thing. I, I, I gotta forget the past, I gotta forget that. By the way, you gotta release people from living in their past as well. Sometimes you're in the present, but you've got a freeze frame of somebody in their past. That's not fair. Could you imagine the apostle Paul? By the way, that's what happened to him. He went to his first small group at Church of the King. In Jerusalem, Acts chapter 9. And he showed up and he's like, what's up, guys? I'm here. Perspective shift. And they go, that dude's a murderer. He's killing Christians. Let him sit by you. <laughs> what? Good to see you. <laughs> really? Why don't you sit on that side of the room? To the point that they didn't receive him and they had to have Barnabas come and bring him to another small group. Like that's in the Bible. Well, not the small group. Well, it's kind of a small group. And the truth is, can you imagine the apostle Paul? He walks into the small group and all, boy, the devil's right there. You're just a loser. Everybody knows about your past. Everybody knows everything you've done. You murdered Christian. Can you imagine how Paul, by the way, why do you think he wrote inspired by the Holy Spirit how to, how to quench the fiery darts of the wicked? Because he had a lot of practice. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a man of God. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a man of God. That's a lie. I'm a man of God. That's a lie. I'm the righteousness of Christ. Question. Can you quench the fiery darts of the wicked one with your shield of faith? Yeah. The reality is, is that Paul, the apostle, had to push through. Everyone say push through. There's a lot of words called press. Often pressing is pressing pressing past the flesh. Pressing past where your mind is focused. You're not allowing the flesh, the world, the devil to lie to you, to condemn you. That's why he wrote in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. He was the one that wrote this. 
Again, we believe this, the, the Bible is inspired, and yet God uses people. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Can, can you imagine him writing that? There is therefore no condemnation. No con- in other words, I am not what I did. I am what God says. Some of you guys need to hear that today. You're not a mis- Let me tell you, you're not a mistake. You made a mistake, but you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if you're a born-again believer. How many are grateful for the redemption in Christ? Come on, how many are grateful for that? You, you, gotta, you gotta learn to forgive and forget. You gotta live. Some, some of you guys, you, you're trying to run this way, but you're always turning behind you. Yeah. Fact is, is that God has told us in his word that when we're washed in the blood of Jesus and our sins are forgiven, it is done. It is done. And we have to be careful how we treat other people. We have to be very careful how we treat other people. Don't hold people in a freeze frame in their past. Don't do that. Don't pull out a VHS. Come at all young people, what's that? Don't, put out, don't pull out an old VHS. Hey, husbands and wives, don't pull out old recorders of the past. If it's under the blood, now, it's not that we can't learn from the past, but we don't live in the past. Learn from the past, get it under the blood, ask Christ to forgive you. If it was a sin, learn from a mistake, and you can learn from a sin. Either way. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, but we got to move on. Everybody say move on. You got to move on. You got to move on. Because if not, you commit, please hear me. Number one, pastor, how does this relate to focus? Everything, number one. The first thing about focus is the center of the wheel must be Christ. When, when you're grounded you know when electricity is grounded, when it's when you are grounded in Christ, that is the preeminent hub that keeps your soul focused. If not, you're pulled in the flesh this way. So, so it's first, number one, you have to have first things first. Number two, you got to run this way by not looking that way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I want to say this as your pastor. Many of you have to learn to biblically forget your past. You learn from your past. It's under the blood your past, but let your past go. Don't let it hold on to your future. Number three, are y'all learning anything? Is this helping anybody today? By the way, I'm going to say this very respectfully. That's why I have no problem sharing my testimony at Church of the King. I have no problem sharing. I was a terrible, sinful person, immoral. I'm just mad. You know why? Because that's not who I was. That's not who I am today. That's who I was in my past. Who I am today is I'm righteous in Christ. I'm washed by the way. Not because of my performance, because of my position in Jesus. And by the way, you can be too. So guess what? I had a guy tell me, he goes, man, you just talk about your past a lot. The reason why I do is because I overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. That's why I talk about it a lot. I was once lost, now I'm found. I was once blind, now I see. I talk about it for two reasons, so that you know that you can be redeemed and so that I remind myself what I was before Christ. That's a healthy spiritual exercise to know your testimony, to know what Christ has done in your life. So you never be deluded into thinking that you somehow pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. I didn't do that. 
A guy told me once, ah, you know, Christianity is just a crutch. I said, much more than a crutch. It's an ambulance. It's a wheelbarrow. It's a crutch. It's everything. Because without Christ, I can do nothing. But with Christ, I've been forgiven, transformed, and filled with power. <laughs> oh, Pastor, you're just weak. Absolutely, I'm weak. But in my weakness, he makes me strong. Yeah. Number three, by the way, Church of the King is not a church for perfect people. That's the church somewhere else. Church of the King is a church for honest people that are imperfect and broken, that come here, that Christ restores, redeems, and raises up as trophies of God's grace. How many of y'all are grateful? Come on, how many of y'all are grateful for that? I'm grateful for that. So if you're messed up, you came to the right place. Now, God loves you too much to leave you where he found you. But we all have a starting point. I'm talking to somebody right now because you live under shame and condemnation of your past. And God's saying, let me forgive you, let me cleanse you, and let's start afresh. Yeah. I gotta get to the third point. Because all the administrative people is like, he usually has three points. Where's the third point? <laughs> Here's your third point so you can rest this afternoon. I've literally had people in our church, and they're very, what's called C-person. They will text me that know me. They'll text me, you missed your last point. God came, angels showed up, but you fixating on my last point? All right, so let me give you the last point. Everybody breathe in. All right, breathe out. Here's my last point. All right, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> Focus on the finish line. Notice the finish line is not just when we go to heaven. It's also when we complete God's goals, dreams, and purposes for our life that he placed within us on the earth. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, I press. Everyone say press. There's that word again. Activate your will. You got to make a decision. Here's how it works. You make a decision, then God empowers the activation of the will. If you're just waiting there for God to do it, you got to take a step. The man with the withered arm, he had to stretch it. As he stretched it out, God's power hits it. In other words, in other words, God is looking for our participation. He gives you the power, but you got to take a step. Like the next step video, wasn't that powerful? You got to take a step. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the upward call of God? Yes, our ultimate goal as a Christian. Yes, we want to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and worshiping. I mean, just amazing. But I think the upward call of God and the prize is actually in the here and now in this sense. It's when you become what God called you to be and it's when you do what God called you to do. In other words, in other words, and I want everybody to hear me, hear me. We need you to become what God created you to be. You do realize that? And when you become that and, and, you, and then you be start doing that, guess what? The earth begins to be transformed, but by the grace of God. Why? Because God uses you in unique ways. He uses, uses you differently than he uses me and he uses me. In other words, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus is Paul becoming what God created him to be. That's what it is. In the same way, God wants you to become the power of becoming. It's the flower opening up, becoming what God created you to be. We need you to become that. But it only happens when first things first and you're not looking back. Yeah. I press toward the goal for the upward prize of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. The word press means to run after, to press on, to reach the goal to pursue, to seek after, to ego. There's an intentionality of your will. There's an, there's an intentionality. You gotta get up. You gotta get moving. 
God fills you with power. Yeah. I'll say this. Some of you guys have been such intense struggles. It's been such psychological warfare. It's been such pain. Sometimes, man, sometimes you just want to give up. Can I just encourage you? Just all of our locations, those that are watching online, if I just encourage everybody, we need you to not give up. I know it was hurtful. I know it was painful. I know when that relationship broke apart. I know when that kid, I know, I know when that loss, I know. We've all got experiences. I don't know exactly what you, but you didn't, we, but it's, a, it's part of the dilemma of hu, the human pain is a universal, a universal thing. We all feel it. But don't, don't stop right there. Man, I'm talking to somebody right now. Don't stop right. Don't stop at that place. Don't let pain be your tombstone. Let it be a stepping stone. We need you to not give up. We need you to not throw in the towel. The earth needs that. The body of Christ needs that. Your family needs that. Your friends need that. Man, if Paul would have stopped. What if after the second time he was whipped and said, God, I'm serving you and this has happened to me. Oh, man, thank you, Paul. How many of y'all grateful that Paul didn't stop? Come on, how many of y'all grateful that Paul didn't stop? Yeah. Therefore, therefore, this is a word. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. I'm praying for biblical endurance. I'm praying for biblical persistence to hit your heart today. We need you to make it. We need you to not quit, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. I'll close with this story. It reminds me of an account, true story. It inspired me years ago when I heard it. True story about a man named Darby. He was caught by the gold fever rush in the West years ago. And he went to the West. He went to Colorado to stake out his claim. And he got a pick and a shovel. And the going was hard, but his drive for gold was definite. After much labor and effort, he finally discovered one of the shining ore. He needed machinery to bring the ore to the service. Quickly, he covers up his mine and he goes back to his hometown in Williamsburg, Maryland. True story. He told his relatives and a few neighbors about this strike. They pulled some money together and they bought him the necessary machinery. They shipped it to Colorado. His uncle went with him and they went to work on the mine. The first core of one of the mines, they had so much that came out of it they actually sent it to what's called a smelter, which is kind of a refining process. And this person that does that, and they, they began to refine this. The returns proved to be one of the richest mines in all of Colorado. Down went the drills, up went Darby's hope. Then the vein of gold just seemingly disappeared just like that. He was discouraged. He didn't know what happened. He'd kind of come in a sense to the end of the rainbow. The pot of gold was no longer there. They drilled on, desperately trying to pick up the vein again. Finally, he quit. He quit. He sold all of his machinery to a junk man for a few hundred dollars and went home. The junk man called a mining engineer, and the mining engineer came out to look at the mine and to do some calculating. The engineer advised that the project had failed because the owners were not familiar with what's called fault lines. His calculations showed that the vein would be found just three feet 
Just three feet. Just three feet where Darby stopped. Sure enough, they started drilling and they struck gold. One of the largest in the history of Colorado. Darby quit just three feet away. We don't need you to quit. Some of you are so close to a breakthrough in your marriage, a breakthrough with a child, a breakthrough in your business, a breakthrough finally getting a grip with God's help on that anxiety that's been plaguing you. Don't quit. You are so, you are so close. Don't quit. I know it was painful. I know that hurt your heart. Don't quit. We need you to stay in the game. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I just sense the presence of the Lord right now. If you do not know Jesus, all of our locations, those that are watching online, if you do not know Christ, I want to pray for you. The first step to living an intentional life is to know Jesus. If you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today. I'm ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. I'm not talking about joining our church right now. I'm talking about knowing Jesus the one who loves you, he cares about you, he died on the cross for you. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church, the king can't save you. Jesus can save you. And he can set you free and he can wash you and he can cleanse you and he can make you new. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, all of our location, those that are watching online, those that are watching on TV as well, at the counter three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands and let the host and the online host, let them know as well. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not at peace with God. I want to surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you and you as well. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you up top. God bless you guys. God bless you, ma'am. Yeah. Pastor, pray for me. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir, as well. God bless you way up top. And you as well. Wow. God bless you, sir. Jesus loves you and he cares about you. I'm so glad you came today. Yeah. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can, can we do that right now? I've just sensed the Holy Spirit, man. God's presence is here. Let's pray today together. Can we say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Wow, what a great time together in church this weekend and what a powerful message from Pastor Steve today. And I do wanna take a second right now to talk to those of you who may be making a decision to give your lives to Jesus, maybe to, to give your life to Jesus for the first time or to recommit your life to Jesus. If that is you, we just wanna say a big congratulations. We believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. And you know, the Bible says that you are a new creation. The old has gone 
and the new heck has come. What that means is that this is not the finish line, it's really the starting line of a brand new life of following Jesus for the rest of your life. Your, your life will literally never be the same and it's so exciting. And as a church, our heart is really to walk with you and to help you on your new journey of following Jesus. So would you do me a favor and text the word decision to the numbers 822-822 if you live in the US or if you're watching it live, you can actually click the link Link in the chat room and what that allows you to do is to just fill out a short form letting you, us know that you made that decision and then we can just follow up with you to give you some resources to help you and to really encourage you as you're beginning to walk out this new life of following Jesus. We're so excited for you. Well, hey, thank you for hanging out with us and being with us at church this weekend. It's an amazing series and we have a few short weeks left of Perspective Shift, so don't miss it. Can't wait to see you here next weekend, same time, same place. Have an awesome week.